to help the landowner achieve their objectives. And so they share those objectives with me. And then it's kind of a, um, you know, an art and a science of developing a plan to be able to achieve those goals. And like I said, most, most of the time, it's not a, a, a one size fits all thing. They, a lot of landowners, they want good timber. They want good deer. And so, being able to manipulate the vegetation in such a way that gets them both is is really kind of where it's at. And so I'll look at the land generally and come up, break the land up into multiple segments or units. Um, and then apply Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb up. Welcome to America Roots Outdoors this week. Everybody's got another good show lined up for you. We're calling via phone because everybody's under the weather. Uh, so, uh, Red Bone, how are you doing today? Well, I'm not under the weather. I'm not saying I'm feeling the best in the world, but I'm not under the weather. So I'm out and around, and, and uh, I'm alive and kicking. Alive and kicking. What about you, Wayne? Oh, I'm under the weather because this feels like it's stopped and parked on top of me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to say this for our listeners and followers, man. COVID is real. We want to tell you guys to take it seriously. Uh, respect others. Wear a mask, whether you think you've got COVID or not. Going into public places or going around other people. Uh, sanitize. Carry sanitizer with you in your vehicles. Be respectful. Cause it is real. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's sick in your household, put a little bleach in your uh, dishwater. Really? Dish in, uh, bleach in the dishwater? Yep. To sanitize all your silverware and plates. Gotcha. To keep your family members nice and, nice and healthy. Sure. Okay. All right. Yeah, and I think there are a lot of other a lot of other things, too. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we have a plan at our house uh, because we have a basement that has a bathroom in it. If anybody at our house comes down with COVID, they going in the basement. And they're, <laughs> they're not coming up until no, they're it. done. That's not a bad idea. No. It's well, not. I'm caught. My family and I are quarantined, and I am in the back room right now. So oh, wow. I've been in the back room for the last two days. So I'm quarantined for the 28th. And I, 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 went and got the, I went and got my test, but I have not got heard anything back yet. So, But I'm just playing it safe, sticking around at the cabin here. Yeah, I wouldn't get around nobody. But anyway, nope. we've got to move on. COVID's real. Deer season, today is the last day, and we're recording on Tuesday mm-hmm. at 1 o'clock. It's the last day of the Missouri rifle season, gentlemen. Did uh, either one of you get to hunt this year at all? Uh, I went out one morning, and that was the extent of my hunt. Saw six does, didn't see anything with any antlers, so I went home empty-handed, and that was the extent of what I got to do. I understand. So you had other things going on. You had the football playoffs, and I want to congratulate Thayer. I want to congratulate them uh, for for winning their sectional quarterfinal. They're a great team, and I hope they win the state championships. We got beat. Liberty got beat. Uh, what a team, Lamar! Absolute beast. Yeah, it really it really doesn't seem like it's even fair. Uh, but anyway, it, it is what it is. And and yeah, yeah. good luck to Thayer Bobcast. Most stations will hear this show on Saturday, and uh, Bobcast play at two o'clock Saturday afternoon against Windsor, Missouri, uh, to for the right to move into the state championship. And congratulations to all the teams out there. 
successful or not, you know, as long as you got through, nobody got hurt seriously, and and the kids had fun and learned a little bit something about being on a team. That's what football is all about. Oh, it is. It's a team sport. And Wayne, you never did answer. Did you get to hunt any this year? I have not gotten out yet this year. I am still uh, in process of getting uh, the adoption done, so I still have an out-of-state uh, driver's license. Uh, from Ohio, so I have to uh, wait until I get my Missouri driver's license here this next month, and I am licking my chops on uh, tackling that muzzleloader season because my muzzleloader is sighted in and ready to take something down. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So we'll, we'll film you killing all the muzzleloader if I'm mm-hmm. home. Uh, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm looking out my bedroom window where I feed the deer, and I've got uh, one, two, three, four does out here right now, and they're eating in this cloudy, overcast day. Uh, they know they are safe right here, even though it's the last day of the rocket season. And uh, the bucks are still running, everybody. My wise eye is popping pictures up left and right to my cell phone and my laptop, everybody. Uh, it's pretty neat. That wise eye is a neat camera. They sent me a charger that you can map to the telephone pole or the tree, which will keep your batteries charged now. So hmm. you never have to put new batteries in it. Yeah. Yep. That is just really pretty about amazing. That, yeah, I say, Alex, the best thing about that is the, the uh, solar charger has batteries inside the solar panel itself. So your batteries in your camera are actually your backup. So say you have too many cloudy days or rainy days in a row, and the solar batteries stop charging, your regular batteries will automatically kick in and take over on the camera. That is neat, Redbone. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, they're thinking of everything. And these guys at Wise Eye, they're thinking outside the box. As a matter of fact, they're kind of creating their own box. And uh, the things that they're coming up with is really uh, it's almost too futuristic for some of us. And I want to make mention, you know, we're talking about Wise Eye. Be sure to go to the podcast now and listen to one of our shows and leave a review. Then go to wise eyes facebook page like and follow their page then write the comment aro sent me and you're going to be eligible to win the prize wayne what's the prize uh we're giving away a 299 dollar wise eye camera um cellular camera so uh, we're going to draw a winner and that winner is going to get a camera sent to them they can have their picture sent directly to their phone and pc and uh, iPad or whatever they want to use, but uh, boy, it's a big prize that we're giving away. It's going to be the biggest prize so far this year that we're giving away. And it, when you leave a review, guys, make sure you uh, definitely please leave your name in the review because your username uh, it does us no good. We don't know who those are, but if you leave your actual name in the review, they will be able to contact you. Yes, yes, we want you to sign up for that. This company, guys, I really feel it's one of the uh, leaders in the industry with with their technology. Uh, let's support Wise Eye and hey, try your chances of winning this camera. We've got a great show lined up for everybody. We got Mr. Michael Gaskins of Eminence, Missouri. This guy is with Scenic Rivers Land and Forest and Land Management. This guy is a biologist. Uh, he manages people farms, plants food plots, TSI, uh, helps you take care of your farm. This guy just recently shot a deer. In Shannon County, within four or five miles of me, that grosses 169 and 1.8, a huge 10-point. And this guy knows what he's talking about. He's going to talk about managing your land. We've got a great show lined up, Redbone. Wayne? Oh, yeah. The mass on that deer is just tremendous. I mean, what a stud of a deer that was. What do you think of it, Mike? Yeah, well, I mean, anytime you go over about 150 in this part of the world, you're killing a big deer. And to kill one that big 
almost unheard of in our part of the country. Yeah, they some killed like that. But I want to tell you, I talked to Mike briefly, and you're not going to believe uh, his his uh, thoughts. And he hunts with his family. He's got like five kids, and all these kids hunt. And you wait till you hear his story, and wait till you hear the the rules. He doesn't put any stipulations on their on his kids of what they shoot. Hmm. We're going to go to a break, everybody. When we come back. We got Michael Gaskins. We're talking about his American roots, and we're going to talk about his. Uh, knowledge of land management, deer management, temper management. Don't go away. We'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Waddle with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. A big old presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. Alex Rutledge, your host, along with Redbone Mike Crace, which is in the studio at K-Country 95, and Wayne Locke on the phone at his home. Uh, we're currently under quarantine, so we got to be at home, and we're doing joint calls. And as promised, we have our special guest, Mr. Uh, this man right here is uh, a genius when it comes to land management, timber management. Uh, this guy... Michael is a family man. He has how many kids you got, Michael? Well, we got we just had one come and we have eight kids. From eight? seventeen down to about two months. So yeah. Yeah, it's quite a handful. Yeah. Handful Scenic. of good stuff as we like to say though. That's right. Scenic Rivers Land and Timber Management Fourth Street. This guy knows the tricks of the trade. You just recently killed a 169-inch 10-pointer off of your farm, and what a buck, Michael. Yeah, I tell you what, divine providence right there just sort of was at the right place in the right time. And, and you know, the biggest part of it for me was that I had I, I got to have my young daughter with me on that hunt. And, uh, man, just to see her reaction and then, of course, a once the news was relayed to the rest of the kids, they all had to come out. We all had to load it up. And, and you know, just to give high fives with my kids over that just beautiful animal was just priceless to me. And, uh, and yeah, it, 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 it was much of a lifetime for me. Yeah, we've got Michael Gaskins with Scenic Rivers Land and Forestry. Uh, this gentleman is from lives there in the Ozarks. Let's talk about your roots and uh, the whole purpose behind having you on the show. One is I felt that you're worthy to be on this show because of your knowledge and the accomplishment that you have done. And I love the fact that you're a huge family man and a Christian and 
And I want you to share some of your knowledge with all of our listeners across the world. And also our areas, uh, where is Michael Gaskins? Who is Michael Gaskins? Uh, Where was Michael Gaskins born? Let's start there. Well, goodness. You know, like most roots, you know, they... There's a tap root, and then there's all the fibrous roots, you know, that go all kinds of directions. But uh, um, so, yeah, I was born outside of Chicago, and uh, and when I was when I was a kid, well, back up here. So my great grandpa Alvin Cumberland Plateau, born on the Cumberland Plateau in Kentucky. My grandpa the same, and and he moved to Indiana a job in a steel mill like most men did after World War II from the South and and uh, they just kind of keep migrating north and so my dad got a job in Chicago and that's where I was born but uh, but when I was a kid dad would take us us kids to back to Kentucky all the time and and we would visit with family and and cousins and, and just have a good time we'd there's a cabin down there on the old farm and we'd go play I'd wear my arm out of with a BB gun and with my cousins and that's kind of really where I learned to love the outdoors, learned to love the woods. And, and, and so growing up in Chicago, all I did was play baseball there looking forward to the day we got to go back to, to, to visit family. So, um, and eventually was able to, uh, be in a position to, to go to college, to learn forestry, um, married my wife, my sweetheart in junior college. And we headed South to Southern Illinois and, and went to school together there and uh, got a, a degree in forestry, a bachelor's degree, then a master's, got talked into that, and uh, and uh, and started a family, and here we are. So um, not sure what else. Uh, you know, I've, we were there. I started a small forestry business there and realized, you know, Illinois just wasn't really the best place to start a business politically. So we looked elsewhere. I got a job with the Missouri Department of Conservation over here huh. and uh, was with them for 10 years and uh, parted ways and started my own kind of turn around, came back to my roots, I suppose, and uh, and started a business doing the, uh, the doing a lot of the similar things I did for the department, but uh, doing it on my own and uh, just loving it, living the dream, you really. Picked, you picked a good area the Ozarks to, uh, settle in. And, uh, man, uh, I just can't get over. I'm repeating this big deer. You killed Shannon County buck, 169 and one eighth inches gross. And, uh, you know, it's in your roots, so to say, uh, thank you for sharing well, part of your story. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, that's the biggest deer I've, I've ever killed probably probably will ever kill i don't know who who knows but uh i feel fortunate for it and mostly you know like i said the experience with my with my kids that's that was that was just really the the best part of it so kind of like the icing but, on uh, the cake <laughs> you betcha you bet yeah yeah, well, so, Michael, yeah moving I'm- to the ozarks you know i mean for goodness sakes a lot you know the same folks the same type of place is the reason why I came here is I kind of felt it was a lot very similar to the part of Kentucky where a lot of my family is from, you know, the same people, the same type of people. Um, after moving here, I learned that a lot of those people that settled here a hundred years ago really came from over there. So similar yep. culture wasn't, wasn't too hard for me to settle in and love it. And I still do. So. 
Yeah, I was going to say coming from Kentucky into the Missouri Ozarks is not all that unusual because my family, <laughs> excuse me, settled in the Ozarks from Kentucky as well. So you know, a lot of people from here have roots in Kentucky. So, Michael, back to your deer, because I think we're all just amazed and interested in this deer. Was this a deer that you had seen that was on your target list, or was this a deer that you, you mentioned earlier you happened to be in the right place at the right time? Was it one of those deals where you just really happened to be in the right place at the right time? Well, it was a combination of both. Like most things, it's not, you know, cut and dry. My son, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was a lot of fun this, this uh, or late summer, um, early fall. My son kind of picked up a habit of what I used to do and set out trail cameras. So he, uh-huh. he took over really the trail camera stuff this year, and he set the trail cameras. And when we brought in some of the, um, you know, some of the footage or the pictures taken, we, we, me and him noticed it, you know, we, we did see him earlier. And so, yeah, that was, uh, he was on my mind. Um, and you know, one of the things I try to do for myself and I don't necessarily impose it on my kids is I, I just soon all the smaller, but I just let them walk and let leave those for opportunities for my kids. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I kind of had in mind that I was going to, if I was going to shoot a buck, it was going to be him or one like him, you know, wow. um, and just so happened to turn out that way this year. I <laughs> I can hear the kids right anyway. now, Michael. I can hear your kids right now when they saw that deer going, Dad, you're supposed to let that one walk for me, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my, my seven-year-old daughter, uh, Julia, you know, I, I take I took her along. She was kind of my rattling buddy. Took her a little, you know, set of rattling antlers and uh-huh. put a binoculars around her neck. But she's just not, and we discussed it while we were out there, she's just not big enough to really be able to handle a handle a rifle. Sure. You know, so we're looking forward to the day she grows up a little bit more and she can and she can put a pattern on paper, you know. Wow. And that's kind of, that's where we're at. So, but it doesn't keep me from taking them. You know, they, they enjoy that. Absolutely. Yeah, we appreciate you, uh, everybody. This concludes our first segment. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Michael Gaskins with Ozarks Scenics Land and Forest Services. Don't go away. We'll be back with more right after this. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. presents welcome back to american roots outdoors again our special guest uh this man here is very knowledgeable on land management and forestry mr michael and this guy just shared his story about his family roots and uh, this 169 inch deer he harvested he killed on his land here in the ozarks and he's going to talk to us about land management he talked about uh, seeing this deer several times on his trail cam pictures and uh, tell us what you're doing with your land that you think helps the habitat and helps keep the deer on your property, Michael, if you don't care. Share your secrets. Yeah, well, here's the, the it's really, you know, probably the most important thing to think about is habitat diversity. You know, having a, a wide variety of habitat types, so to speak, on a, on a property. Now, I don't own a lot of property and and this it works a lot better on larger tracks but the more diversity we can have the better so 
you know, a deer, turkey, most of those animals are edge animals. And so, you know, a deer, if you can keep him bedded on your place, keep him fed on your place, and keep him feeling secure on his place, especially a big buck, you know, the the more chances you'll have of keeping him around. And that's kind of the, the, the key there. And so manipulating the, not only the, the, you know, a lot of people talk about food plots, and they're great, and I, I plan them myself. But really thinking broader than that, thinking, well, how can I do uh, various types of habitat work in the woods to help, to help really um, be the primary dinner plate and the primary bed? Um, the primary bedroom, so to speak, and and that's really what I do when I when I step on a property. Um, my first goal is to help the landowner achieve their objectives, and so they share those objectives with me. And then it's kind of a, um, you know, a, an art and a science of developing a plan to be able to achieve those goals. And like I said, most most of the time, it's not a a, a one-size-fits-all thing. They, a lot of landowners, they want good timber. They want good deer. And so being able to manipulate the vegetation in such a way that gets them both is is really kind of where it's at. And so I'll, uh, you know, I'll look at the, the, I'll look at the land generally and come up, break the land up into multiple segments or units. Um, and then apply different practices to those units to, to, like I said, keep, keep that diversity at the top of the list. Well, that sounds, Michael, like you're, it's similar to, I think, way me and Alex do it. And that is, if you look at like a survival handbook, you got the triangle of necessities, food, water, shelter. And like yeah. for us, you know, we look at shelter and a lot of people overlook it. And shelter isn't just a place for them to bed, but if it gets bad, they have to have wind breaks, things like that. So that's the kind of stuff you're talking about that you, you incorporate and get landowners to understand? Yeah, yeah. And like I say, when we when we go into the woods as a forester, I go in and I'm taking scientific data, right? I go in there and I take plots. I'll take and I, a, thorough, a thorough assessment of what's there. And then I use the artistic side of forestry to help then determine where do we want to put these different habitat types you know there there may be areas in the in the woods that grow good quality timber and you you would want to manage that differently than like say a south hillside that's a little more scrubby or that the the timber has a a lot less growth potential but Mm -hmm. excellent potential for wildlife habitat you know for some prescribed fire for some thinning various things and and just looking at what the land is telling us really can help guide how we shape it. Well, that's good subject matter, and uh, pretty much what you're doing is what we've done on our properties. And uh, if you don't mind me mentioning, I believe you helped Mr. Rader, Max Rader, with his farms. And Mr. Rader, he had tested me and said they had harvested three nice bucks off of their properties this year, and they planted their first time eagle seed. And he was very happy with the eagle seed. So I guess this leads into my question. Uh, the smorgasbord, and I just want to touch on it with you real quick, Michael, is a, a smorgasbord of different foods, brassicas and uh, perennials and annuals. Uh, when you have a smorgasbord of foods, that's diversity. And that, that attributes to wanting to draw more animals. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, you bet. I mean, 
there's there's a diversity at a macro level and micro level. And I think what you're talking about there is diversity at a micro level. You know, when you when you're planting a food plot that has a variety of different attractive foods, you know, a deer, uh, you know, he's going to step in and if he's in the mood for one, he's going to eat it. You know, and if he's not that day, he's going to be in the mood for something else the next day. You know, and that, they're really kind of opportunistic browsers. You know, so it's it's having a monoculture of something out there maybe may or may not be the best. You know, most of the time, not the best thing. So um, having a good mix, you know, and a food plot's awful nice. So let me ask you, your listeners that's listening across the country, if they want to learn more about doing uh, habitat management, wildlife management on their properties. And we're going to give you an opportunity to talk about it again in the last segment, but they can contact you correctly. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, one of the places they can look for information. And like I say, I not only am I a biologist and a forester, but I also enjoy teaching. So um, my website's probably um, has too much information for a typical website. But if a, a guy swimming thumbs want to kind of learn a little bit or research or ask questions if my website's a good place to do that um and if you i'll i'll say what it is if you if we have time yeah go ahead yeah the, the uh website is www.scenicriversfarmforest.com and that's all one word um that's the basically the name of my business but uh um you go there and there's not only a contact page there, but there's also a list of all the all the services we provide and some background and and kind of get a feel for who we are and what we do. That's pretty neat, Redbone Wayne. Yeah, that is. That providing. is, and uh, yeah, and and the fact that he's willing to, to share and and uh, and teach people how to, to do these types of things. Alex, we're about out of time in this segment. I think we need to uh, take a break here, and we'll be back with a more American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Tippin, and you're listening to my old buddy, Alex Rutledge, with American Roots Outdoors. Passed on down, planted deep in the ground around your heart, so you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Hi, everybody. This is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. How many of you need an attorney? If you're like me, sometimes you do. I go to Zane Prevett at the Prevett Law Office, Willow Springs, Missouri. No case is too big or too small. You can call Zane at 417-469-3535. Zane Prevett at the Prevett Law Office. This is Alex Rutledge, and he is my attorney. Wildlife Technologies presents Americans Outdoors with Alex Rowley. Mike Grace is in the studio. Alex and me are, well, we're sitting at home in our own little uh, bubbles because we're quarantined, and we have Michael as our guest today. And, Michael, when we were talking, uh, one of the things we were talking in the last segment is different diversities and natural food and stuff. When I went to your uh, Facebook page, I did notice that uh, you do more than just land management. You can actually do something that my wife saw over my shoulder, and now she's bugging me <laughs> to get a hold of you and get you out of the uh, pollination or pollinators. Uh, because that's a big uh, thing, not only for butterflies and birds, but uh, to bring in turkeys. 
And so I know this is deer season, but turkey season's around the corner, and people are already starting to think about it, especially if they've already tagged out this year. Yeah, the uh, the pollinator mix is, man, what a – I mean, that we, I've been pushing that for for quite a while um, be, for, for two reasons. One is not only is it good, you know, pollinators are on the decline, and we want to increase the numbers we have of them, but, but a lot of those native plants are just – I mean, they are high in protein. They attract lots, you know, from a deer perspective, from browse, they're high in protein, some of the highest we have, and they're native. They're just, they're natural. So if we can encourage them, great. Uh, from a turkey perspective, you know, that diversity of plants draws lots of insects, lots of bugs. And that's, you know, during a, a very specific you know, times of the year and during the different growth stages of a turkey's life, that insect mix is important. So um, not only from a browse, but also from attracting bugs for the turkey's eat. Good stuff right there. Yeah, Redbone, it sounds like that movie uh, quote, you know, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> yes, yes. We yeah, actually yeah, well, just like watched it. that movie just the other night. So. <laughs> Being a baseball man, you know. Absolutely. But, uh, um, yeah, and, and then the bonus of that is, is once you get it at the right stage, man, it's attractive. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to have as part of your, um, you know, a part of what you're doing on the farm. It is one of the things that I do have on my farm as well is a pollinator plotter, actually a couple of them. Yeah, well, I'm uh, definitely going to have to get you out to uh, get you out to our place because I have five acres that I'm in the process right now. We're cutting out, or not we're cutting, but blood hogging out. Uh, to put all pollinator stuff in. So I, I think I'm going to give you a ring and have you come on out and uh, maybe give me some guidance and uh, maybe hire you to come on out here and do some work for me. Be pleasure. You know, you talk about pollinators and, 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 and the native plants. Uh, I had some work down around my yard. Actually, the neighbor that joins me was uh, uh, taking some trees out of a fence line. He was putting in a new fence and taking some trees out. And the gentleman that, that did the bulldozing and did all that work, uh, one day he brought back he brought by a, a baggie uh, full of seeds. And I, he, uh, he said, hey, I want to give you this, Redbone. And I was like, yeah, I don't do that. I haven't done that since high school. And... <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "No, no, 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 no." He said, "This is this is these are all natural and uh, wild uh, wild flowers." And he said, "Those areas where you can't get your lawnmower, and part of it was a pretty steep incline, and and part of it was just a, an area uh, that was not really part of the yard, but but joined the yard." I said, no, "I know those are places that you can't mow." He said, "These are wildflowers. Plant these." And he said, "Not only are they going to be beautiful every spring and stay flowering through the summer." And he said, it's going to be good for your, your garden because it's going to attract a lot of bees, and then the bees will go to the garden when it is in bloom and going to help uh, pollinate your garden. So, I mean, you can even do some of these pollinator-type things in your yard, and it's good for your landscape. Absolutely. I have a question for you, Michael. Honeysuckle. Your thoughts on honeysuckle? Well, what do you, my thoughts on honeysuckle generally, well, two things. They are an invasive an exotic invasive plant. So if, if it, like most things, if it's a weed, a weed, all it is, a weed is, is a plant out of place. So mm-hmm. the other side of the coin is deer love to eat it during certain times of the year. So my thoughts on honeysuckle is keep it to a minimum. You know, if, if deer are eating it and you like it and, and it's in the right place, you can keep it hemmed in. Great. But generally, I mean, I'm generally a, more of a native plant guy. Um, I kind of look at invasives as 
taking up space for for higher quality plants or high quality native plants that tend to not require as much tending. Um, so I'm not a purist when it comes to when it comes to I would say exotic or non-native plants. I mean, for goodness sakes, food plots. That's what they are. Most mm-hmm. of them are non-native plants. But uh, but but if you if they're there for a purpose and you can maintain them, I I say kind of so be it. Well, honeysuckle has a lot of protein. From my observations and talking to other biologists, and I have a pretty thick honeysuckle patch, <clears throat> and I can tell you right now, as far as you can reach, the leaves are gone. <laughs> yes, they, they stay green pound, way into the winter. You know, they will pound honeysuckle. Yeah, and you talk about something that you need to keep trim back. Uh, yeah, and that's the hard part there with honeysuckle, isn't it, Michael? Is just trying to keep it under control because before you know it, if you've got a honeysuckle patch. Now you've got two honeysuckle patches. I mean, the, the stuff grows, and it grows fast. Yes, and that's, you know, like most, you know, management strategies, um, you know, maintaining that different level of succession requires work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not a matter of just planting and walking away or just having something to walking away. To maintain it or to hem it in, keep it hemmed in or in its place requires work. And, you know, there's lots of different activities a, a manager can do to do that. So that's good information. Uh, we've got about two and a half minutes left right here in this segment before we go to the bonus segment. I'm going to turn it over to Wayne, and Wayne's going to talk about uh, the giveaway we got going on with Wise Eye Cameras, and he may have another question or two before we wrap up this part of the show. Yeah, I'm going to leave off with the, the last question I'm going to have for you is how many people do you get having you come out to consult that are not hunters? Because it sounds like you're doing stuff that just anybody in general who has any kind of land, no matter if it's just one acre or, or 100 acres, would probably love to have you come out and just help them incorporate some natural beauty to their, their place. Do you find that you have a good variety of both hunters and non-hunters, or how does that work for you? Yeah, I would say I would say 80% of my clients are hunters. Uh, the, other, the other 20% are either interested, as you say, in aesthetics, you know, like having a... a you know, like you, we were talking about having a nice, uh, um, either a natural community or a planted pollinator plot, or they're strictly timber guys. You know, they're, they're, they want to grow quality timber, you know, and we can help them do that, you know, and that, and they're not as, you know, hunting or wildlife management is set is far secondary. And, but that's only 20%, I would say 20% of my clients, the majority of them, their big thing is how can we man you know balancing all these things that we're talking about timber management land management in general how can we do this to maximize you know wildlife habitat um, you know my the enjoyment their enjoyment of their land you know recreationally either through hunting or 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 other things and and that really, you know, when you have a motivated and happy landowner that's really wanting to get things done, that's that's the that's the fun, you know, person to work with right there. I enjoy that. Uh, folks, that's Michael Gaskins. He's been our guest here on the American Roots Outdoors Radio Show. And if you want to hear more from Michael about land management and some of the secrets and some of the things he does on his property, be sure and go over to our podcast bonus segment. And you'll find that uh, on your American Roots Outdoors uh, podcast on your favorite prod- uh, podcast carrier. Again, uh, thank you, Michael Gaskins, for being with us today. And again, folks, go over to the uh, podcast to listen to that uh, podcast bonus 
And uh, remember to leave a review. We're giving away a WiseEye Technologies camera, a $300 value. And all you got to do is uh, like the podcast and leave us a review. And make sure you put your name and where you're from, your real name and where you're from on that review. All right, just going to wrap it up. Hope you all are having a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday weekend. I'm the Red Bull Mike Grace for uh, Michael Gaskins, for Wayne Locke, and, of course, for Alex Rutledge. Happy Thanksgiving. And remember, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind might do, American Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Wise Eye Technologies presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. We're into the bonus segment. We want to thank you for joining us here on the uh, podcast and the bonus segment. And uh, Wayne, uh, we, we ended the radio show with, with Wayne telling you all that you need, after you listen to the podcast, you need to go leave a review, leave a good review, put your name in the review so we know who you are. And we're going to be giving away a Wise Eye camera on December 1st. Uh, which is next Tuesday. So we need you to listen and we need you to leave that review and get ready for that. That's a $300 value. And our guest has been uh, Michael Gaskins. And uh, Michael is, 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 if you listen to the radio show and, and the other portions of our podcast here, uh, is kind of a land management specialist. And uh, I have a question, Michael, to kick off the uh, the bonus segment here. And that is, uh, is part of what you do or can you uh, kind of help bridge the gap and and marry someone's property together for both deer management and continuing to use that property for say a cattle ranch. I mean, I know, I know you mentioned off air, there's some give and take, but can it be done? Well, of course it can. Yeah, I think it, it surely can. The the key there is having clear and defined objectives, you know, having those defined in the beginning and having, mm-hmm. and having, uh, being able to work at it, you know, um, a cattle ranch and wildlife can mix. I mean, matter of fact, cows grazing, if they're grazed properly and grazed on the right, you know, on vegetation that's friendly to, to wildlife can, mm-hmm. can actually enhance it. You know, that's, that's been shown and proven. So, um, the, the challenge is, is, is establishing those goals and being able to, being able to do the, the long-term work of, of sticking to it. Um, it does take a little effort, you know, and and it, but it can be done, and I've seen it done. Do you do you do you have clients that are doing that now? And uh, you know, and, and I, I guess I guess another part of that question would be, uh, what are the downfalls to doing that, or are there any? Well, I mean, the, I guess there really wouldn't be any downfalls per se, mm-hmm. um, other than other than it would take more work. You know, okay. it's it's a matter of you know, moving your cow, like if you're a cattle rancher, it's a matter of moving your cows. It's a matter of, matter of establishing, uh, establishing the, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a type of vegetation that's both conducive to cattle ranching and for wildlife management. But, gotcha. you know, you know, cattle are, are grazers, so they're going to be more in the fields. And oftentimes I encourage landowner cattle ranchers, if they own timberland, that's where the, that's where the, uh, the wildlife management can 
can extend into. Sure. You know, so looking looking at your timberlands, not only as just that back, you know, 40 of, of timber that you go to every so often to just harvest some logs, but looking at it as an opportunity, not only for future growth and future management that can produce, you know, for you in the long run when it's managed well, but also a place when when done actively can produce really good high-quality habitat. So um, it's really kind of a mindset change a lot of times, a paradigm shift Yeah, I, I, to be I, able to, to, to see how those two things work together. Yeah, I, I can see that it would be a mindset. And, and, and the fact, uh, I guess, you know, from what you're describing, there are cattle ranchers right, right out there right now that with a little bit of work could create some, some deer havens on their property. And, and, and areas that they've already got, like patches of timber, like you mentioned, or patches of, you know, scrubs and, and bushes and stuff that, that, that are not doing them any good anyway. So, uh, interesting, yes, interesting. Marginal lands, yes. Yeah. All right. So, Wayne, I, that was my question uh, for Michael here because, uh, I know some cattle ranchers. I'm going to turn on to this podcast and have them listen to that. Well, yeah. And also, if you think about it, that's almost kind of like what Kansas has done, did, you know, I want to say, whew, we're probably going back 15, 20 years. When ranchers said, you know what, there's money to be made with white-tailed deer hunting. And it, and it allowed them to like give them a dual income. So not only did they have their ranching, but they saw all that other land that wasn't being used, like you were saying, Michael, the timber and that, that they when they improved it, the deer improved, and then they were able to supplement that with uh, white-tailed hunters and give themselves a supplemental income for not only them, but for future generations on that farm to, to, as it went on. Absolutely. You bet. I think that's one thing that, uh, Alex, I know you're always looking at, and I'm looking at with my kids, because I, too, also, you know, we have eight kids. Well, 10 now, we just adopted two more, but the uh, is the future. You know, not only what am I doing now, but what am I going to be leaving my kids? And I know, Alex, that's one of the things you're always talking about, um, you know, with your property is, you know, what am I going to be able to leave for my, you know, my roots as they, as they grow up and get older? Well, I think it's so important that we share our knowledge and, uh, we pass it on to the kids because the kids are the future. I mean, you and I and everybody on this show today, we're where we're at today because somebody is stealing something into us. And uh, I just want to say to all the listeners, uh, this is very crucial. Uh, you get people saying, uh, being negative, saying, oh, yeah, he ought to kill a big buck. Look at his farm. Or he ought to kill a buck. He's got money. Well, that's not the truth. It's all about applying yourself. If you want something bad enough and you want, you're hungry for knowledge, you're thirsty and hungry for knowledge, you want to make your property and habitat better. This is a free show to everybody listening to, to educate you how to make your property better. Take advantage of it. Make your property better for you, your family, and uh, your grandkids come in the future. So uh, apply yourself and dedicate yourself to trying to make your properties better. Then you will see positive results like a 169 and 18, like our brother did. <laughs> uh, and speaking of that, Mike, let's, uh, let's see if we can uh, get a couple little tidbits out of your brain there. What are you doing on your property that you found to be probably the most beneficial that people can do to you know kind of get that deer to grow those antlers the way that you're seeing them right now? Well, goodness, I, I don't, you know, uh, one is native plants, high protein, high quality native plants. You know, um, we, when I, when we moved there, my, my farm was basically a worn down fescue pasture and we, we converted that to native grasses and wildflowers. Um, 
native grasses in the areas that are um, flat and level enough to be able to harvest. We do a w- one cutting a year for hay crop for high quality horse hay, hmm. and so that's a little bit of an income there. That, like you said, you know, diversifying there um, on the areas where we're not able to, we we incorporate more, um, like Alex and 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 one of the other guests said, uh, pollinators. You know, we did that. We plant food plots on our place. We, we, uh, but, but those are in our open lands. Um, but in our woodlands, you know, one of the things that I've done is I've identified, um, through, you know, through observing through science, what are the growth rates of the different areas on my place? How would I manage one area different than another? So I've identified more of a timber management um, approach on part of my woodland, in which case we just go in and we 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 TSI the stands, and we incur and we did a a light timber harvest to encourage the growth of the higher quality trees. So growing timber is oftentimes like a, like growing a garden. It's just take you're just doing that over a hundred to two hundred year time frame, and so the approach is give them give them the space they need to grow. And you always take the worst and leave the best, and that tends to be the opposite of the approach that that most people either do or have been taught to do. Um, so that that's my philosophy: is always always leave the best, take the worst. And there, there's believe it or not, genetics involved in timber management um, that 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 will pass on as well. You know, we talk about genetics and animals, but there's also genetics involved in plants. But uh, and then on our Less productive sites, um, we, I do a lot of burning. You know, we do some prescribed mm-hmm. fire that incur, and, and we open those stands up a little bit more to get a little bit more sunlight down to the woodland floor so that when we burn, we're recruiting and growing a lot of those native plants that are already there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're there and they're really high protein. And so if you can, if you can do the thinning, and then do the burning and get those plants to grow for essentially free. I mean, it, it's, it's not, I mean, you're putting the work in, but you're not buying stuff. It's just there. And, and of course that's going to vary depending on land use history. You know, if, if it's been terribly abused over the years, it, you may have to supplement with some, with a, with some seeding. But most of the time, especially here in the Ozarks, um, just thinning and burning will provide a lot of good browse, a lot of good habitat, and I'd like to attribute a lot of that quality forage to to a healthy deer herd. Well, uh, I think one of the things, Alex and uh, Red Bull, that I'm seeing here is the common denominator between like what he's telling us and what like Cody Roberts is telling us uh, from NDC is it, all, it takes work to get what you want to achieve. Because like I got a guy in, in Ohio, his late buddy of mine, he has 100 acres. He doesn't put no work into his land and can't figure out why he doesn't have a deer over 120. Uh, <laughs> you got to apply yourselves, everybody. What a great show. What a great show. You've been a great guest, my, Michael. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Everybody want to say thanks for joining us for this week's edition of the America Roots Outdoors Radio podcast. And, of course, be sure and join us again next week. We'll have more guests. And uh, hope you all are enjoying your Thanksgiving holiday weekend. On behalf of Alex Rutledge, Wayne Locke, I'm the Roadwell Mike Grace. When your roots run deep and strong, you never have to fear the wind. <laughs>